This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Are you listening? Damn. To an emergency episode of the damn podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network and powered by beaverblitz.com. I'm your host, Carter Baines, joined as always by beaverblitz.com, beaverblitz.com publisher Angie Machado. Um, I'm a little bit rattled right now because we had like no preparation for this episode whatsoever. We don't even have a rundown. Um, but we've got big news as Oregon State just cracked the AP top 25. For the first time since 2013, Angie, this is about a decade in the making, Oregon State getting into the rankings. We'll talk about how much it it means. You know, it probably doesn't mean a whole lot to the team, but as far as building the program goes, obviously this is a big step. Um, and then at the end of the, the pod, we'll we'll touch a little bit on men's basketball media day, which occurred earlier in the week, and, and look ahead a little bit to Friday's game between Oregon State and Washington, but we are going to spend most of this shorter episode of the podcast talking about the rankings. So um, is this kind of like a where were you when type moment for you right now when when you saw the 24 next to Oregon State's name? I, I don't think it's that big, um, but I think it's, I mean, it's it's fun for fans. And I think it's, um, like you said, it's a big step for the program in that it is making progress. Um, top 20, I mean, I, th- I think they probably should have been in a little earlier than this, but, um, and this is kind of by default as Oregon State didn't play this week. It's kind of um, it's kind of fitting that Oregon State would get in on a bye week. Um, but um, coaches' poll was interesting too because Oregon State was basically 26 in the coaches' poll, um, with seven, receiving 71 votes, and Kentucky stayed in the coaches' poll, whereas in the AP, Kentucky had dropped out. So I think Oregon State and Kentucky kind of flipped there. Um, but no, it's it's a good day for Oregon State, and uh, it's nice to see them back in that in that listing. It does feel a little anticlimactic to your point there that, you know, Oregon State doesn't even play a game on Saturday and enough chaos in, ensues in kind of the middle to bottom tier of the top 25 for some teams to fall out. Oregon State was right there in the waiting. They were the the second team out of the rankings, I believe, last week. Uh, and so they jump in and, and take advantage of a few teams losing. But as you said, you know, Oregon State probably deserved to be in the top 25 earlier on. Uh, I don't necessarily know that, 
you know, a lot of the voters for this poll are East Coast writers, are Southern writers, and and are not watching Oregon State football games when they kick off at 10.30 p.m. or later in their time zone. So they're probably not watching Oregon State. A lot of these ballots come in after the writers have, you know, fulfilled their duties of, of watching their game and writing their game, and they don't necessarily even watch all of the other games in college football or know what is going on and that's why you can see some ballots look really lopsided and see some questionable teams and questionable rankings um the the beauty of it is that you can actually go and see who voted for who uh, and as soon as we get get done with this i'm going to dive into the individual ballots and, and look at who had oregon state where but yeah, it's it's interesting that you know it takes a bye week for the Beavers to get in when they had just won their sixth game in convincing fashion and a forty-two to nine win over Colorado last week, and that wasn't enough. Uh, but they they need a little bit of help from the teams ahead of them. Yeah, I and that's that's where I think, and we'll, we'll probably dive into this a little bit more too. But I think the big the big step needs to come this next week because it feels a little bit like now Oregon State's in but they have a huge game this week. And I, I don't want to see Oregon State take that step backwards. So they have to come out and uh, take care of business up in Seattle. Yeah, this is the first time that Oregon State has been ranked in the AP poll since the preseason rankings back in 2013. Of course, Oregon State started that season with a, a game that nobody wants to remember against, in hindsight, a pretty good Eastern Washington team that ended up having a Super Bowl MVP on its sideline. Um, fell out of the rankings pretty quickly. But then the Beavers rattled off six straight wins to get to bowl eligibility, uh, finished the, the season on a bit of a slide there, but they did crack the BCS rankings in, well, after week eight. So going into week nine, Oregon State was ranked 25th. They beat up on California, I believe it was 49 to 17 for their sixth win of 2013. And that was enough to, uh, to get into the BCS rankings as the 25th team, but the Beavers were never ranked in the AP poll or coaches poll after the preseason. So you have to go back to, I mean, 2012, I think, 2012. when when the Beavers were like a top 10 team for a couple of weeks there to, to find something where Oregon State was not the last team in the rankings. Uh, obviously, this week there's UCF below them, so they're not the last team in, uh, which is pretty impressive accomplishment for obviously a team that, you know, was building from the ground up over the last couple of years. There have been some milestones along the way, Angie, getting to bowl eligibility, uh, beating Oregon back in 2020. But I'm curious your thoughts on how important of a milestone this is. Like I said earlier, the team, you know, probably doesn't necessarily care. The players, you know, they, they probably they're probably happy to see it, but they won't admit that it means a whole lot to them. But I'm curious to ask Jonathan Smith tomorrow, program building, recruiting, um, you know, national spotlight, the the fan engagement. How big do you think this is big picture for Oregon State to be in the top 25? Yeah, I think I think it's all those things for for all those reasons. You know, it's it's it just kind of helps solidify what Jonathan Smith is, is saying to the recruits. It helps what he's saying to the team. You know, we are building this the right way. You can see, I mean, it's it's a tangible piece of that rebuilding process that he can point to, whether that's to, you know, Scott Barnes wanting to know, and to all of his constituents, whether that's boosters, whether that's recruits, players, to point to and say, hey, no, we are making incremental progress. Like you said, 2020, they beat Oregon. Um, you know, they had the USC losing streak that, that went down. Washington State losing streak went down. 
it would be nice to, to get one up in, in Seattle. Cause that's been, that's been a minute since they've, they've won up there, but um, no, it'll be, um, you know, those steps, while they might not lead to, you know, a five-star commit or a million dollar gift, it's all stuff pointing in the right direction. Absolutely. Uh, around the Pac-12 as well in, in this week's rankings, you see Oregon at eight, USC at nine, UCLA at 10. I believe I'm getting those two LA schools correct there. And then uh, mm-hmm. another team at 11, and then you got Utah at 12. So the Pac-12 really dominates that, um, the rounding out the top 10 and turning the corner into the top 20 with those four teams. Oregon State's the only other Pac-12 team ranked, but Washington has been kind of on the, you know, they've been knocking on the door the last couple of weeks, have the Huskies. And man, if Oregon State goes up to Seattle on Saturday and pull out, pulls out a big win that probably not many people going into this week before seeing a, a number next to Oregon State's name uh, would have said that, that Oregon State would have won. This is a, a game now where, you know, assuming, and we'll have to talk about this too, assuming Oregon State is also ranked in the, the college football playoff committee rankings, which will come out on Tuesday. They're probably the team in this matchup that has a number next to their name on the, the score bug on the bottom of the screen. And, you know, anytime a, an unranked team is playing against a ranked team, generally you think that that the ranked team is the favorite there. So but it'll be not interesting. right now. So I've seen Vegas has the Huskies anywhere from a three to five point favorite yeah. in this game. So as they probably should be. I mean, these yeah. are two very evenly matched teams. They have the exact same record. Oregon mm-hmm. State's going up to Seattle in a hostile place. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that at, right uh, right after we get out of this thing. But the college football playoff rankings will come out on Tuesday, and and these are the first committee rankings of the season. I, I'm curious to see how it plays out because, you know, Oregon State is only ranked in the AP poll, as you said. They just missed the coaches' poll by one spot. There are some other teams that that maybe lost last week that you could say, well, you know, they might still have the resume to to stay in. Uh, you know, maybe you look at a team like Washington and you say, oh, I like Washington's resume better than Oregon State's. That's what the committee does. They're more of a a resume eye test kind of committee, yeah. whereas the AP voters are, all right, this is where I had teams last week. This is what happened. Now let me slot up and down. Um, the committee is is more of a a power rating slash. I test slash resume slash okay, what have you done recently? Type of thing. Does the bye week hurt Oregon State there? Does the fact that they're on a three game winning streak help? Does the fact that they just beat a team by 33 help? I'm really interested to see how this plays out on Tuesday. I am too, because I don't know how they're going to view. I mean, you know, a shellacking at sh- against Colorado isn't really that impressive, I, I wouldn't think, to a, a national, um, but, but the three game winning streak. The fact that they played USC, you know, super close. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, there's there's some things in, U- in Oregon State's favor, but then you look and, you know, they barely eked by Fresno. They barely eked, eked out a win at um, Stanford. They're all things that are going to be considered. I, I, Oregon State just doesn't have the name recognition or the um, kind of the pedigree that some of those schools have that I think does hurt them. But the more times that they can be mentioned in the, in the, in the rankings and just – it just helps, you know, like you said, having that little number across the ticker, it's, it all is just kind of a, even a subliminal thing that, okay. Oh, Oregon state. And that name recognition thing will hurt them in the AP poll for sure. But you would like to think that when the committee puts out its top 25 on Tuesday, 
that name recognition, brand value, you would hope that none of that matters in the eyes of the committee because these are the people who are determining who's playing for a national championship in this sport. You should want to see the best 25 teams in the rankings. You don't want to see a, you know, oh, Washington's had more success over the years than Oregon State, even though they have the same resume. Let's put them in and leave the Beavers out. You don't want to see that kind of stuff from a neutral college football fan perspective, you know. Um, it's yeah, that's, I think that's where you see some of the differences in the polls. Obviously it's, it's different people voting in all of these things. The coaches poll, you know, Oregon state finishing it at 26. That's probably fair, but you know, do East coast teams who have coaches who are voting for this thing, even watch Oregon state football. You don't know. And and that's what I go back to with the committee. It's, it's the committee's job to watch every game in college football. And coaches poll to me, I, I guess, I mean, you either go with AP, which are writers, or you go with coaches, which I've heard stories. The coaches don't vote. The coaches give it to their yeah. executive assistant and say, here, fill this out. Yeah. I, I think if, if Oregon State does win this week, you see across the board that they're yes. probably, they might be a top 20 team in some polls yeah. if, they be, if they win this game in Washington. Um on Friday. So let's, let's preview that a little bit. We're going to go really short here on this pod, just a a quick instant reaction to, to the rankings. So considering you've got two teams at six and two, three and two in the pac 12, Mm -hmm. one of them's probably going to be ranked, you know, come Friday, we, we have to go off of the playoff committee rankings once they come out. Um, I, I mean, we don't have to, but that's kind of the quote unquote, like official ranking system once it comes out. Um, one of them will probably be ranked. One of them is probably knocking on the door, if not right there at 25 in Washington. Is this probably the biggest game Oregon State's played this year? I mean, you look at the USC game and you say, man, they had a huge opportunity there or or going to Utah. Like those are big games, but this feels like, you know, this, this, just, this determines standings. This determines who gets the nod over the other when bulls come around like this, this feels like it might be the biggest game on the schedule to date, at least in my opinion. It, it totally is Carter. And, and there's a great discussion right now in the lodge um, where prof has kind of laid that out. So really when you look at the PAC 12 right now, you have those top four teams, you have, you know, Oregon, USC, UCLA, and Utah, they're kind of up here. And then you have, I would say Oregon state, Washington, they're, they're right there. Like, are they going to jump up and be a contender or are they going to, um, I think prop named ASU as pretender. And mm-hmm. then you have all the, the also rants that really have no shot, not even competitive. So or, this is a huge opportunity. Now, you know, it, it, Oregon state missed a huge opportunity against USC because if they had beat USC, they're right there. And there's a five-way race there for yeah. potentially. Four and they're probably a top 15 team. And not they're a top, top 15 25 team. team. Exactly. Um, and they've been in the rankings now for weeks. Um, yeah. That was a missed opportunity. Utah on the road it is what it is. This game right here, like you said, this is going. This could very well determine, you know, whether Oregon State's going to Vegas for a bowl game or they're going to El Paso, El Paso, or San Diego. Yeah, somewhere or or. What Brett McMurphy said, the first responders bowl or something. So um, first responders bowl on, on the campus of SMU in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, I, maybe not that far, but um, this is huge. This is a huge, huge opportunity. And I, um, I hope, I mean, I, I know the team is going to be ready for the challenge and hopefully, you know, coaches, everybody is 
is dialed in for this one. We're going to come back on Thursday and mm -hmm. preview that a little more in depth. We'll try to get a, an expert from Dogman, the 24-7 the, uh, sports site for Washington, on, on the pod on Thursday. Uh, of course, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming at Beaver Blitz throughout the week. Although it does change a little bit since the game's on a Friday, a couple of things will be moved up a day. Um, but I, I'll also be there in, in Seattle to cover it. So we'll have full coverage of that game from uh, from start to finish and, and all of the normal game week stuff. But it feels like a different week, Angie. It really does. With Oregon State being a ranked team, being in a an important November game too, you know the, the rankings are they are what they are. They're they're cool. It's always fun to see a number next to your team. But more importantly, it's Oregon State's six and two right now. As as they start the month of November, they've only got two losses. Um, they're still playing for you know they might not be in the Pac-12 title race, but they're not technically mathematically out of it just yet. They're playing for, you know, they're jockeying for position in, in the bowl system. It just, it has a different feel to it because we are so late in the season and normally the fan base is checked out. Normally nobody's <laughs> talking about Oregon State, but now Oregon State's one of the stories of college football because it just snapped one of the longest ranking droughts in the country. All eyes are going to be on this game Friday night on, you know, national TV yeah. on ESPN too. Like this is a position Oregon State has not been in for I mean, probably a decade since it was ranked the last time. Yeah. And I, I told you when we, we talked off off air about this, there's that this is this is the beaver believer, I guess, in me that has been around this program so long that you just want so bad for them to actually embrace this opportunity and yeah. not let it slip through their fingers because it kind of feels like this is in a balance right now. And if if they lose, things could go not south, but you're talking at the difference between a really, really special season and a, a good season. Yeah, and since we're on the topic of rankings, you know, if Oregon State goes up to Montlake and loses this game, the next two games might not even matter as far as getting back into the yeah. top 25. You know, the Beavers would be a three-loss team at that point. They would not have a ranked win. Um, they would have lost to an unranked team potentially in Washington. And I don't know if if the voters are going to say, all right, I'll, you know, put my faith in the Beavers again. I'll, I'll trust them. I think it would take a, you know, winning out at, at that yeah. point for the Beavers to get back into the top 25. So this does feel like a potential momentum building spot. It feels like, like you said, it's the rest of the season's kind of hanging in the balance. This is the kind of game where if you're saying Oregon state's ready to take that next step and, and become a top tier team in this conference, this is the kind of game that they have to win. Yeah. This is the kind of game that we went into the season saying, man, if the Beavers go up to Montlake, if they're having the kind of season we we expect they might once they get there, this has the kind of feeling of a huge, huge game for the huge. program. And sure enough, that's coming to fruition. The Beavers could be seven and two and probably a top 20 team after this week if they get the win. If not, we could be talking about the Beavers, you know, maybe going to the Sun Bowl at best, uh, probably looking at, you know, knocking on the door of, of the rankings again, but, you know, on the outside looking in. There's a lot and, and wins over, game. you know, Cal and and um, ASU wasn't going to get them back in it. No. So um, this is like like we've talked about. This is such a huge step, um, and we've seen it. You know, we've we went from when Jonathan Smith took over, just wanting to be competitive in any game, to winning home games and being competitive on the road. To now, they're seeing that step of yeah, they're taking care of business at home. 
they're winning the close games that they would have lost. I mean, that Sanford game or that Fresno game yeah. two years ago would have been losses. Um, being able to fight through that. And now they're actually being competitive on the road against top teams in the conference. So now it's a matter of taking that next step now and just going uh, and winning on the road against a, a very similar opponent. Not going to be easy to do. I do think Oregon State matches up well in the sense that the Beavers' biggest strength is its pass defense. It's one of the best pass defense teams in the country. Don't look at the yardage number, numbers. That would tell you a different story. But as far as on-ball defense goes, Oregon State's got the one of the best secondaries in college football. And you're going up against one of the best passing attacks in college football with Michael Penix Jr. leading an elite passing offense. So, I mean, that probably determines the outcome of this game right there. It's the kind of game where if you're Oregon State, you want to see it really wet and cold and windy up in Seattle like it can very well be in November. Um, you know, we can have the debate on how much weather really plays a, a factor in, in passing games. But I think Oregon State's going to want to make it somewhat of an ugly game, you know, force a couple of turnovers, uh, some three and outs. You know, they're they're going to want this to be a defensive type of game, not let Washington take the top off the defense all that much. Um, it, it, it does. It, it really just, it feels like a big game, but, for, but for is it weird in every sense? If, okay. But it feels weird to me that I don't have any real worries or concerns about the organization defense. It's more mm -hmm. about the offense. And I haven't been able to say that in probably a decade either. It's very true. All right. We're, uh, we're going to touch on some men's basketball stuff here at the end, but I want to just give everyone a chance. If you're watching us live on YouTube, thank you for joining us on such short notice. I think I tweeted this thing out about five minutes before we went live. Um, so shout out to, to everyone who's who's uh, talking to us in the chat here. Throw some stuff in there if you, if you want us to answer some questions or if you've got some opinions you want us to share. Uh, we'll touch on that in just a minute. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Um, well, let's talk a little bit of men's basketball because the season is actually starting in like less than a week. <laughs> this thing kind of creeped up on us. I, I know we're talking football and you know that the headline of this episode has to do with football, but we didn't get a chance to talk about this since we're on bio week and we didn't do a podcast earlier in the week. But 
uh, Oregon State men's basketball head coach Wayne Tinkle took Dexter Acano, the guard, and uh, forward Glenn Taylor Jr. with him down to Pac-12 Studios in San Francisco for Pac-12 Media Day. And Angie, I know you saw the same clip that I saw. This is not when they were on the stage answering questions. This was a kind of a one-off thing with Andy Katz, yeah. and, and Andy tweeted this out. Um, you want to tell the listeners what, what Wayne Tinkle claimed to Andy Katz? Um, it has wait. to do with defense. Okay, I didn't watch it real quick, so okay. help me out here. <laughs> he said, he said, I watched okay. it, but it was a couple days ago. Right, right, right. Not, not top, of, not top of mind. Um, he said this could be Oregon State's best defensive team since he got here, which you know Wayne Tinkle's going into season number nine. Best defensive team is saying a lot, considering he, he you, you think back to the Gary Payton the second yeah, days. See, I, I think that was a little fluff because he also said you know this was going to be a, a rebuilding year too. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I'm glad that he did embrace that. He said, you know, it's it's going to be a rocky road. Yeah, there are going yeah. to be bumps along the way. But he also said, you know, so many years at Oregon State, as as long as Coach Stinkle has been here, Oregon State has kind of peaked at the end of the season. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, no season exemplifies that more than the Elite Eight year. Really mediocre year. Players are, not players, uh, fans are are calling for Wayne Tingle's job. And then, right at the end of the season, they get hot, they win the Pac-12 yeah. tournament, they make a run to the Elite Eight, and, you know, the rest is the rest is history in a in a not-so-good way for the Oregon State men's basketball program. Um, but, yeah, th- there have been Tinkle teams that have peaked at the end of the year, have built things up, and I think he's he, he kind of hinted towards yeah. this being one of those seasons where it might start out rough. We have what, like nine true freshmen or something crazy like that. Yeah. All of these newcomers, only a couple of players from last year's team are back. Um, I, I guess just, you know, based off of what you might have heard or seen from Media Day, do you have any expectations for this team? You know, I don't. I mean, I what I do expect, though, is that they play more cohesive as a team, and I think yeah. that's going to be the big thing. Um, last year just seemed so disjointed when you watched them play. They didn't play as a team. They... Um, seemed like I said, just disjointed is the best way I can, I can describe it. Just more individuals playing basketball and not a, not a team sport. So I'm excited to see this group, this group from what I've seen online and some of they've been putting out some little social media tweets and things of being playing basketball out, you know, pick up games and talking to, you know, students around campus. And um, they look like they're having fun. And, and it's, it, you can never, underestimate how big that is when you're putting together a team as long as the, the guys are having fun and are, are playing as a team sometimes good things happen that was obviously missing last year in in 2021 they did just, not look like they were having fun last year no just obviously Nobody. an abysmal three win season and, and the chemistry was off and you know you, you heard all the stories from you know, the end of the season players bickering and nobody getting along and the interactions on the practice court. And it's just, you know, to, to Wayne Tickle's credit, recognized that he needed to clean house players and coaching yeah. staff made the changes that were necessary and brought in a, a group of guys that I think everybody in Corvallis is really excited about as, as far as athleticism and potential um, and, and frankly, talent level as far as all of that is concerned. One last note from from Pac-12 Men's Basketball Media Day is Wayne Tinkle explaining a a little bit where things went wrong last year. And I I think, Angie, we kind of read between the lines and 
you know, assumed that this, that this was the case. But after that Elite Eight season, Tinkle said, you know, there were always going to be a couple of guys that left from that team, graduates, you know, uh, NBA kind of guys, Ethan Thompson. And Oregon State was relying on some of those next guys up to stick in the program, take a year of coaching and step into roles as juniors and seniors. And Tinkle said this at media day. He said a lot of those guys, frankly, just left because they wanted they didn't trust the process and they wanted to find playing time right away elsewhere. And because of the recruiting restrictions with limited on-campus visits and no in-home visits, Oregon State was not able to identify the kind of talent and character of replacements that it needed. And that ultimately is is what led to just a, a catastrophic locker room type of season. Um, so it was, you know, it was it was kind of great to hear Wayne Tinkle, I think, address that and. Um, I appreciate what I appreciate where things went wrong. A little what bit. I appreciate with Wayne Tinkle is that he always seems very honest. Yeah, it's, he's not trying to you know sugarcoat things. I mean, and, and I'm sure if you talk to him, he'd say the coaches probably you know, contributed to that as well and could have done better jobs in certain areas. So, um, yeah, I, I hope they have some success this year. It can't get much worse than it was last year. That is very true. <laughs> that is as somebody who covered that entire season, <laughs> man, I, I needed you went a vacation from elite after eight. That. Yeah. You went from elite eight to that. I covered one of the best seasons in Oregon state basketball history, at least the end of it to less than 12 months later, covering the worst worst. season in, in Oregon state men's basketball history. And I had to recover with a a week long trip to Greece, like two weeks after that season was over. So yes. And we, and you didn't work. You just, you, you we just, yeah, we had, we had to recover from that. (laughs) Um, Before we get out of here, let's, let's go back to some football stuff. Obviously the, the news of the day is Oregon State cracking the AP top 25 for the first time in eight years. Let's call it nine years. Nine years, Because it yeah. was a preseason of, of, of 2013. Um, let's take a few comments and questions from the YouTube chat, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Jude says, it's a nice milestone. Only be relevant until Tuesday if the, uh, or, you know, when the, the playoff committee top yeah. 25 comes out. Absolutely. There's a chance that two days from now, Nobody will even know that Oregon State's in the top twenty-five because nobody's talking. <laughs> you know, about you're it. you're going to see the networks go with the 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 playoff rankings. That the AP poll kind of just disappears. It's basically what happened in the BCS era as well. Yeah. BCS rankings take precedent over the the uh, the AP. Uh, Roger says, "What a season, or uh, such a what if season of amazement. What if we beat USC and Utah? We're undefeated. What if we lost to Fresno State and Stanford? I think that goes back to Angie's point about." just these these games these close games going Oregon State's way and you know being in tight games with good teams in in USC um it does feel like there are some what ifs but at the same time we can play the what if game and and still sit here on October 30th and say Oregon State's got a chance to have its best one of its best seasons in school history if it wins out no it's it is. And like, like Roger said too, I mean, there's the, what ifs of what if Oregon state didn't throw all those picks, Utah and USC, but there's also the, what ifs of what if Oregon state didn't come back against Fresno. They're, they're just right there. I, I don't think they're quite at that elite status yet, but we'll see. I mean, I, I think they, if they can somehow beat Washington on the road, 
beat Cal and ASU and that Civil War if or Oregon game. Because I do think Oregon is playing at a very high level right now. I mean, think about this. I mean, I'm not going to go out and just say Oregon State's a lock to win the Oregon game, but what what if they play Oregon close or it's a home game and the defense comes up big? As it always does at research, seemingly. Um, you know, Bo Nix has been on a hot streak, but we've also seen Bo Nix um, not play so so straight so well. Throw so, it to the other team. Exactly, he has a little penchant to chance Nolan it every once in a while yeah. and play play catch with the other team. So anyway, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of what ifs out there, but it's fun that it's October 30th and we're talking about what ifs and we're not. Oh, it's basketball season because right. nobody cares. Um, Normally, it's a good yeah. spot to be. Normally, the what ifs that we're talking about in November are well, what if the Beavers weren't zero and seven right now, yes, or what yes. if the Beavers hadn't beaten Portland State to you know to 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 remain uh, out of the out of the winless column? It's fun to have different conversations this time of year for sure. Yes. Uh, at Go Beavs from Twitter, does it worry you too? with this new ranking going into Seattle. Not really for me. Um, This is something we've talked about and and Jonathan Smith absolutely will talk about on Monday, the, the veteran presence, the leadership of this team, the whole player led thing, like a guy like Jaden Grant's not going to get caught up in the polls and he's going to, he's going to make sure that, you know, he and Brandon Kipper and Tristan Jebby are all on the same page as far as like, all right, we got to preach to the guys that this means absolutely nothing. Um, I, I don't think really they frankly even care that they're ranked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I saw Omar Spates retweeted it or some different, but um, no, you're right. I mean, this team a couple years ago, I would have been concerned about, but mm-hmm. um, just this veteran leadership um, and they know just how tight these games are. I mean, a guy like Jaden Grant has been there from the the depths of abysmalness to now actually, you know, right. Knocking on the door to a lot of a success. And so, um, they're going to keep these guys, I think, in check. Roger says if the Beavs win on Friday, then they may be one of the top ranked two loss teams in the AP poll. For sure. You know, yeah. I, I think you look at Oregon State's resume at that point, if they have a win against Washington on their on, the on their resume, especially on the road, Oregon State's only two losses at seven and two would be two. Two top 12, 10 teams. A 12th yeah. ranked Utah team and a ninth ranked USC team. I mean, those are it's it's hard to have two better losses on your resume than that. Um, absolutely, Oregon State probably would and, and certainly should be. Well, I mean, because look at among Utah. the top ranked two loss teams in the AP. I mean, Utah has two losses, but that's to what USC and UCLA. Right. And obviously, you know, it, that's where the preseason rankings come into yes. come into effect and, and the voters vote on confirmation bias and whatnot. I'm not going to sit here and argue that Oregon State's a better team than Utah. Obviously, the Beavs got blown out in Salt Lake City, but resume alone would tell you that you know they should probably be on somewhat similar uh, level in, in the rankings. We do have a Seattle forecast in the in the chat as well. Friday night temps in the 40s, 58% chance of showers and 16 mile per hour wind. That's pretty much exactly what I'm expecting, actually. <laughs> When I Sounds when fun. I saw that, Angie, when you saw that this game was going to be played in November on the yeah. schedule, yeah, it, isn't that like the exact weather that you oh, thought we would completely, get? Completely, completely, yeah. And a night game, Friday night game, yeah. That's yeah. It's not even like a Saturday afternoon. 
I'll say this. <laughs> when I was up in Seattle back in the 2020 season, um, well, every press box in 2020 was open air due to the COVID restrictions. You had to have airflow. Those games were all played in November and December in the Pac-12. Pacific Northwest in December is obviously frigid and wet and windy. And um, that, that, game at, that, game, you? that game at UW, I think, might have been the worst of it. I want to say it was like mid thirties. It was dumping rain, crazy windy. And they've got those garage doors in the press box and they open them right up. And so you've got, I don't know, probably 30 yards worth of, of press box, just open okay. air, huge windows wide open. Uh, yeah. Going to be fun. I'm, I'm going to bundle up on Friday. <laughs> that is for sure. Anything else, Angie, before we get out of here? I think this was, uh, I think no, we, did you have a good bye we week? set out to do. Did you have a good bye week? Yeah, it was great. I, nice. I worked for the first few days, um, got ahead of some stuff and mm -hmm. actually took Thursday, Friday and Saturday off. So nice. a three day stretch. That's like the biggest vacation I've had since. Since like, uh, since you went to New York. <laughs> I, I was even still working then because we had Pac-12 football media day. Man, I want to say like maybe since the since spring. Greece. <laughs> yeah, maybe since like March or April. So that was nice. It was I needed to I needed to recharge, especially since we're going into such an important stretch run yeah. here over the next few. And we can't mail it in now, Carter, because like the Beavs are like in it, in it to win it now. I think you have to say that Oregon State's in the national picture, right? Yeah. Like any team in the top 25 is going to be a nationally recognized team. Yeah. I agree. I Pretty agree. Cool I'm, to I'm, say I'm that. glad that the bye weeks, I mean, I love bye week too. Um, that's why I actually got up this morning and said, I love Sunday bye week because it was nice to set my coffee and yeah. like watch a little sports ESPN in the morning. But um, yeah, I'm ready for, for games to start again. And I, I, tweeted about this so some of you guys probably saw it but well first of all friday night my son my youngest son who's a freshman at sherwood high happened to be at the um sherwood bowman game and sent me a picture that adley was there and he got a picture next to adley rutchman so that was cool just to see adley and he's so good with these kids that just look up to him like crazy so there was that and then on saturday one of my best friends from oregon state days her dad passed away they live in eugene so i went down for the memorial service and my senior son said he, he's totally into going to Arizona Carter. I mean, you know, we've looked at U of A, yeah. we've looked at Grand Canyon, ASU. Um, he said, I, I better check out U of O. Do you even know how difficult <laughs> that is to bite your tongue and like, try to be like, just let them see. I'm like, we'll, we'll, we'll look. And I didn't say a word. We looked around and he said, okay, Eugene's kind of gross. I, I don't really want to go here. I'm like, thank you. I think just about everybody listening to this will uh, will feel your pain on the yeah. the quote. I want to check out U of O, and yes. then and then just the the sigh of relief when like like there was that part of me because I I think he'll end up at Grand Canyon. The part of me was like, oh, it would be nice to have him a little closer to home. But that other part of me like, oh hell no, yeah. <laughs> oh hell, <laughs> absolutely <to the> no. <laughs> not. <laughs> so yes, when we went and had lunch, and he was like, yeah, I just I just don't think this is like where I want to be, and I was kind of like, okay, sigh of relief. Order whatever you want, buddy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Lunch is on me. That's awesome stuff. Uh, we'll we'll leave you guys on on that note, I think, on this yes. Sunday of a bye week. Angie's son is not about. going to be a duck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> not much to talk about other than Oregon State cracking the top 25 for the yep. first time in nine seasons. 
great stuff. Awesome stuff to see Oregon State back in the national picture late in a college football season. Angie and I are going to be back on Thursday on the damn podcast. Probably. I mean, like I said, some things things might get shifted around, but tentatively we're going to plan on Thursday uh, to preview Oregon State at Washington. That game's on Friday. Until then, you can follow her on Twitter at Angie Machado one. You can follow me at Carter Baines, and we'll talk to you on Thursday for another episode of the damn podcast. Thank you.